Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 92, Art and Motherhood, recorded on February 9th, 2020. My name is Julie Faithan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, honey. How are you? I'm good. After my little computer snafu, thank you for being so patient. (laughs) Well, you've had a series of unfortunate events. I think nobody should stand near you at the edge of a cliff or anything like that. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Just to recap for those who are wondering, a car hit my house in the middle of the night, and then I had a huge flood in the basement, which was totally unrelated, so... I'm just crossing my fingers. Yeah, so let's hope the computer malfunction is, you know, the number three there. But yes, I've I've actually was thinking a lot about the car driving into your house because obviously uh, mom lives in a Victorian house and it needs to be reconstructed. And I was thinking about the craftsmanship, et cetera, that went into that porch, each of those spindles, like the stonework in it, the whole thing. And it's a very different kind of thing nowadays. Houses, I feel like, used to be sort of artisan crafts and they just aren't anymore. Well, and they were built to last. Not not versus a car, though. No. (laughs) Anyway, our guest today uh, is Roxanne Coble, and Roxanne has been on the podcast before. She is a mixed-media artist and illustrator and a maker of things. She is known for her detailed art journaling. Her work fuses both mixed media and painted illustration. She is inspired by all things macabre um, and completed pages embrace a balance of humor and dark emotional themes, all while exploring topical events that occur within her personal life. So she lives in L.A. uh, and has a new man in her life. I sure do. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you... You, 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 you too. Had, yes, we you do. Too. We both have new men in our lives. So you had yep. an adorable baby boy. Is he five months old? Yeah, he's like five and some change. He's creeping up on six months. Uh, this in like two weeks, he'll be six months. Yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I know everyone says like, oh, time flies, but I'm like, it is slow like molasses over here. He's oh yes, creeping, creeping up on six months, but oh man, time is uh. It's a weird thing these days. Well, let's start at the very beginning because you have an art business. And I was trying to explain to my mother uh, Patreon and she sort of didn't, had never heard of it. And so I thought it might be a good chance for you to explain to people because I know you do. I see all the time on your Instagram stories and other places you're talking about your Patreon. Check it out on my Patreon. So for people who wonder what that is, and I think it's a big part of your business, will you explain that? Yeah, so it's it's definitely a big part of my business. It's a newer part of my business. And it was something that I started doing actually when I was pregnant um, because I knew with baby coming, I really had to reevaluate my whole business, how I was creating content, um, how I was you know creating income for myself. So I basically kind of reevaluated everything that I was putting out, like free content, <laughs> essentially all of the YouTube uh, videos that I had been making. And I was making a lot of different types of YouTube videos, both like art related and then a lot of personal life sort of videos as well, because I was vlogging a lot of my daily life and vlogging about my pregnancy. And I kind of had this moment of realizing, like, I really need to change how I do things, both in that I don't want to have as much of my personal life out on the internet with a new baby. You know, I just didn't know how I was going to handle that. Um, And the second thing was just like my time. It was like, okay, I'm about to be taking care of a brand new baby. How am I going to juggle all this? So that's when Patreon came into play. And Patreon essentially is a um, it's a platform where artists and different creators um, can create content for a specific um, group of audience. There's different tiers. And basically, you pay to access that content. So I basically just took what I was doing on YouTube and just put it behind a paid wall, both to create income for myself as an artist and be able to continue to do what I'm doing and to kind of privatize some of my personal life that I was previously sharing so much on YouTube. So I have two questions for you. The first question is, um, does this mean that you're not no longer sharing any of that content to YouTube? Like it's only behind the Patreon wall? Well, my goal is to do both ultimately, like long-term. I do hope to keep doing YouTube because I I enjoy sharing my work and I still enjoy making, you know, public content. Um, 
But for right now, it's just been difficult because I am home with baby full time. <laughs> so staying staying home mom here. So for right now, my priority has my priority has really just been Patreon, just kind of making sure that I'm meeting those commitments because it is a commitment. You know, I have specific tiers where let's say if you're at the video tier, I have to create two videos a month for those patrons. But I will say the content that I make for Patreon is very different than let's say YouTube, um, like for example, YouTube, I just published like a sketchbook flip tour. Like that's totally art related. I'm not talking about my personal life. I'm not really sharing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. My Patreon subscribers get more of the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm sharing like um, my personal vlogs, which were once on YouTube where I share the baby, I'm showing him, he's in the videos. Um, it's not just out there on the internet. Um, some other kind of things like maybe um, definitely more process videos. I share more like sketchbook process kind of things on Patreon. Um, just stuff that I wouldn't necessarily put out in the public or that I feel comfortable doing that. It's, I don't know. It's been kind of nice. It's been a nice, like different kind of creative outlet in a sense. And have you found that people have, um, been, I mean, first of all, I'll just say also that the tiers are totally reasonably priced. I know it's like $2, $6, $10, something like that. And, yeah. um, have you found that people, anybody has like complained about the pricing or that you, fewer people have followed you than you thought, or have you found the opposite? In fact, that people have been very happy to do it and that it's been a great response. And overall, a really great response. And it's been better than what I had imagined. I was definitely nervous going into it because I'll be honest, for the longest time, I was anti-Patreon. I was like, I'm never going to be one of those artists where you have to pay to access content, blah, blah, blah. But it just came a point in my life and my business where like I had to implement and do something different that I could manage. Um, and I find that my subscriber count has been pretty consistent. So that to me is kind of feedback that people enjoy it. I've never gotten complaints I think the only thing is people want more. I think they actually want higher tiers. Like for a while I had a $15 tier with Happy Mail and I had to limit it because I couldn't manage sending out physical mail. And eventually I had to shut down that tier because I was like, guys, I can't handle mailing out like this many envelopes to people every month. Um, and I think if I had opened, if I opened something like that back up, people want it. People definitely want more. Um, so hopefully That's maybe exciting. in the future, but... Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Overall, it's been a really good experience for sure. So the other thing I was going to ask is, do you find that um, when you're trying to sort of figure out what to share in terms of the baby, I mean, obviously, you've decided that you're going to go behind a private wall Patreon instead of on YouTube. But do you find that even mm -hmm. within that Patreon group, you have sort of figured out for yourself sort of like, where are the limits of sharing? Right now, I feel like I'm pretty open about it. Um, I'm pretty open about it. And I kind of just am taking it like one video at a time, you know. Um, I honestly would like to vlog more and share more of like my personal day kind of videos. But they're just really challenging um, from a technical perspective of carrying a camera around with a almost six-month-old is very challenging. So... Right now, I wouldn't say I have any limitations. Um, and, and the other thing too is that one of the reasons why I like sharing it is because it kind of creates a time capsule for myself. Like one of my favorite things is looking on my YouTube channel and like binging my own vlogs from like years ago. Cause it really is like, wow, look at what I was doing then. And wow, look at our old apartment. And you know, your life is captured in this like documentary style way and it's really cool. So I wanna keep doing that just even for my own sake, selfishly so that I have videos of the baby. I agree. I mean, I think this is something that I've struggled with. I stopped vlogging when I found out that I was pregnant um, and I haven't really done any since just because A, it's, it's very challenging to figure out how to do it while juggling a tiny human that is on top of you and yep. does not is not cooperative or understand like <laughs> I need to do this right now is A. Yep. Um, but also just because, you know, there is a weird feeling I have sometimes about like this person is going to grow up into an adult person who may not want to have, yes. you know, it's kind of like I, even when I vlogged about myself, like I included Steve, I include my mom, but I don't like focus on their lives. And I feel like they're adults. And if they don't want to be in something, they can walk out of the scene, so to speak. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. the baby doesn't have a choice. And so I sort of and it's some of that I'm feeling too, even about like posting photographs and stories, I'm trying very much to focus on like my story as a mother, and less like mm -hmm. his story as a person, because I feel like it's weird. I don't know. I just don't know how he's gonna feel about it when he's 15 or 25 or 45 or whatever. 
It's so true. And I've definitely, I try to take the same stance, especially definitely on like my public stuff, like Instagram, I definitely filter how much I post of him. Um, or maybe I'll just post like the back of his head with like something else going on or something that I'm doing. Um, yeah, it does it's, have a it's very hard. cute head, by the way. Your baby is so oh. has has great hair. <laughs> he does. He was like a little wolf man baby when he was born. It was crazy. So much hair. Um, but I definitely filter like like I don't think I would ever, even in my vlogs, like the Patreon vlogs, I would never post like him pooping or like something that would like be embarrassing for him to look back on later, you know, or like here's cute naked baby footage. Like I probably would never include that in. Um, so I guess I do filter to a, a certain extent, but I don't know. It's, it's hard, man. I feel like it's just like a day to day. Like I just, you know, reassess it constantly. It's tricky. It is. And it's a very, and I think the, the line for everybody is different. I do remember once reading, um, I, I, some kind of post that Elsie Larson from a beautiful mess, or I guess her name isn't Larson. Is it Elsie? Maybe I it th- is Larson. I can't even I, remember I know, her I, anymore. I think it. No, I think it is Larson. Yeah, because okay. she has like the Larson house or whatever. Okay, there you I go. Okay, I, my memory yeah. is still working. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> uh, from a beautiful lesson, she posted because somebody was asking like, don't your your girls like never have temper tantrums? They're never in a bad mood. Like, what's the deal? You know, uh, and she was like, yeah. uh, I don't post that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. And, and she was like, it's not to make me look better. I don't post it because that's why would I do that to them? Like, that's not fair to yeah. them. Totally. Like never showing them in a bad sort of light. I think, um, is it Colleen Ballinger? She does a similar sort of thing. She's a big time YouTuber vlogger. Um, and she vlogs every day and she puts her baby in there, but he always seems happy. And she was getting similar sort of comments like your baby's always happy. You have such a great baby. And she eventually had to make like a separate video. Like, no guys, I filter what I put out here and it's because of him. I don't want him to look back and me putting out these like sort of shameful moments of him. You know, and so I think that's where I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to adopt that idea too. you know, not put out (laughs) things that he's going to look back on and be like, mom, why did you share this? This is awful. I I mean, I look back sometimes on things I put out and I'm like, ugh, why did I do that? Oh, same. same. (laughs) The cringe. The cringe. Yeah. (laughs) So let's rewind just slightly and talk about um, a lot of your artwork, at least from an outside perspective, from my artwork, uh, from looking at it to me, seems seems very labor intensive because you really are an illustrator in so many ways. And so there's so many details and small fine lines and like shading hashtag, all that kind of stuff in your work. So I assume it takes you quite a long time to complete some of your work. Oh, it takes me forever. Like one journal spread could take me months to complete. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, they're so intensely detailed and I'm wondering how like with the baby, are you finding that you're working smaller in uh, shorter amounts of time in a different style with different products? Like how has sort of the baby's arrival changed that for you? Or are you trying to sort of find your way still? I'm definitely still trying to find my way. Um, it's been challenging. I will say I have not done any art journaling in a while. I don't think I've done any art journaling since he's been born. So I've been doing different types of art making and it's more things that I won't feel bad about leaving. You know, there's this weird, like, (laughs) I think it just came with being a mom where it's like, you get interrupted. Like, well, and Roman, my baby is not a good napper. So he has like, he does like 25 minute, 30 minute naps during the day. So I have very short stints of when I'm able to actually get things done. So it kind of went from, you know, these long art journaling sessions that I would do pre-baby and then I had him and I would try to re, you know, recreate that again. Like, oh, let me go work in my journal. And by the time I sat down and got things out and my supplies out and got in the mood, you know, I'd be interrupted like 15 minutes later with crying baby. And I would get frustrated. Like I would get mad and upset, like, oh, I can't make art. And that was a really, I mean, that's its own separate topic of just feeling like I'm losing that little bit of a little bit of myself. So I had to really take a seat back and go, okay, how am I going to reevaluate this? Because I still need to make art, but maybe it's just not in an art journal for right now until I figure it out. And so that's where really my sketchbook kind of stepped forward a lot for me, uh, my sketchbook. And then I also started working and I haven't really shared this publicly yet, but in my, uh, in a traveler's notebook, 
where I would just keep that in a diaper bag and I would bring that out. And sometimes it's just me making lists of things or quick sketches or here, sketch this later tonight when the baby's down. And then it's, I have a little bag and a sketchbook that is just kind of moves around my house and a tray with breastfeeding stuff and pacifiers and burp cloths and any little downtime I have, I just kind of work in my sketchbook. And that's kind of what's been feeding my art fix lately. Well, let's talk about this whole idea about sort of losing that art making part of yourself because I keenly have felt that as well. Yes. Um, yes. And I think it's it's an interesting thing because you define yourself your whole life, or at least I have for a long time, as like this is yeah. what I do. And like yep. especially when you're a full-time artist – you know, that's what you do nine, 10 hours a day is you make art, do art related things, look at art things like it is art, art, art. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, I haven't even done anything today. Like, I think at some point I said to my mom, I think I was like, or maybe I said to see, I can't remember anything anymore. My brain is gone. But I was like, (laughs) oh my God, it's been like, you know, this is the longest I've gone without working. And, you know, it was maybe only like two or three days, but it was like traumatic in some ways. Yes. Oh, I, I totally understand this. Yes. (laughs) And so like, I have this sort of bigger question about it, which is, do you think that the, that sort of those feelings, that crisis feelings is about the actual activity? Like I know that art making keeps me sane. It's, you know, uh, it's Mm -hmm. one of those things like whenever I have felt upset or angry or sad or whatever, I go and do some art and then I feel always feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I also wonder if some of it is like, it is, yes, the loss of the activity, but it is also because even when I can get in a half an hour or an hour or whatever somewhere, I have this sort of mm-hmm. bigger panic feeling about like, what defines me now? Like, am if this is not who I am, then who yeah. am I just like Henry's mom? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, I think that's a feeling that every new mom goes through no matter what, because you really do. I mean, it's a huge change. You are transforming into a totally different person. I mean, I'm, you change normally, you know, year to year or decade to decade to decade regardless. But now this new role of motherhood, I mean, I feel like I'm a completely different person. And so it's having to get to know who that person is and what my role is in my son's life and now in my household. And it's this whole shift. And then I think the art layer or the artist layer is like on top of it because I, I'm just like you, like I need art to function. It's how I deal with stress. It's how I deal with anxiety. It's just how I relax. It's how I, it's just like, I, I need it to function. So for that to kind of just get put by the wayside while trying to figure out, oh my gosh, who it, I am a mom now. What does this mean is so, so challenging. And I just really, I really struggled with it. And I think, um, I mean, I mean, I could talk about this forever. It was funny when you sent me that email, like, I think we have a lot to talk about. I was like, like this could be its own podcast, Julie, of just like <laughs> mixed media mamas. Like, you know, it's just, there's just so much to talk about with this. Um, but, you know, it was, it was hard too, because I am home with him every day. I have since later, I have hired a nanny to come in two days a week for just give me a couple of hours of a break. But being with a baby all day, every day, hour after hour, I mean, it just, it really does wear you down. And then to not be able to make art, it's heartbreaking. It's it's like a it's a heartbreak moment. You have to mourn. I almost mourned my old creative life, what it used to be. You know, you have to mourn that and then kind of reassess and move on. It's hard. It is, but it's also like I know for myself, I don't know if you're the same, but I've also been covered in guilt about the fact that I am not finding great joy in holding this small screaming person when I would rather be doing something else. In fact, I can think of plenty of times in which I'm holding him and thinking I would rather be anywhere else. And that feels terrible and guilty. I love that you just, I love that you just said that because that is exactly what I have been going through. It's it. I understand. I relate to this so much. Like, I mean, it really is. It's hard too, because you see, especially like other mommy bloggers and people online, they post these things and it's so rainbows and sunshine with their new baby and I'm in love and this and that. And I'm like, and yes, there is a degree to that. Absolutely. But I definitely have those moments where I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I wish I could create this online class or, oh, I could go film five videos in the amount of time that I'm doing this right now. And it's, it's, it's hard, man, but that's the reality of it. That's, I don't know. It's so hard to, to capture. It's just really challenging. It is. And and I think it is also, there are many things you go through, like even with pregnancy, I can't, I mean, there were parts of pregnancy that I really did not enjoy. Um, And a lot of it was like, but I kept saying, oh, this physical discomfort will be over. 
you know, oh, yeah. this incredible yeah. exhaustion will end. Like you have this idea that there is a point at which it will end, even in the moments in which nine months feels, you know, endless. Um, True. But there is also this thing, I think, which is as much as I understand that the baby will grow up and change and all that kind of stuff, it feels, I also have the sense that like, I will not for many, many years get back to what it was like, you know, can you say like 18 years and even then, you know, to what it was like before having a baby. And there is, I think, mourning, which you used as a word is a good description of it because... Yep. Because it's a very, very long time and not, and, and I think it is the same thing too, which is like, I love my baby. <clears throat> Absolutely. I'm so glad that I had him. All that stuff is true, but I deeply yeah. mourn the life that I had before. And I am struggling with finding what the life that I have now is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the big part of it now is, is acceptance for me. I've had to come to terms with, I need to stop fantasizing, but I, wish I could be doing and turn that into, okay, what really can I accomplish today? What is a small thing that I can do creatively or towards my creative business that will make me feel accomplished? And even just that little bit, and even if it's just at night, like even if it's just an hour in my sketchbook, 10 minutes in my sketchbook, whatever it is, like one little thing I can check off is like, okay, I got something done. That's good. And even allocating that time for myself, I have found has been so important, not only in in kind of resolving that guilt feeling that I have, but I feel like it also makes me re-energized and excited to come back to baby. You know, if I've taken some time, again, we hired a nanny and that's been a huge game changer for me. Even just, she only comes five hours or it's five hours one day, five hours another day. That's been a huge game changer for me in just being able to step away, make art, kind of refuel myself. And then when I come back, I feel like I'm in total mom mode, like 200%. Let's go, baby. Let's go to the park. Let's do this. And yeah, I think that's how I've been kind of dealing with that guilt feeling is acceptance of what you can actually do and what you can't. I agree. I mean, I think so. I have two thoughts based on what you said, which is one, um, I think that that time away is so important to coming back into the mom mode Mm because I have found that when I have had some studio time I come skipping down the stairs and I am ready to tackle you know the poop explosion or whatever has happened with a smile on my face (laughs) and no issue you know Um, and I actually think just to relate it out even sort of more generally I think that the same thing is true like even if you know, you're frustrated on making a project. I used to find like switching to a different project would make coming back to that first project that I was frustrated with much easier. I think sometimes when we sit with anything for too long, right, it becomes oppressive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that I think, you know, yes, we're both new mothers and that is the big thing that has changed in our lives that has changed. But I, I read something the other day where a woman was saying that, her mother had been moved into a nursing home and one of the things that had happened is she had had to downsize her art collection so you know her crafting hoard of stuff and so one of the things that this woman did is she um brought like a jelly plate and a bunch of stuff to the nursing home and had her and did like a mini jelly printing workshop for her mother and some of her friends and her Aww. mother would like loved it so much and said she felt so much like herself. And I was thinking like, wow, that's another total loss to think about like when you take that stage where not only you're losing your home and your independence and all that kind of stuff, but you're also losing like this thing yeah. that you love to do, like this art making because you can't bring it with you there. And how yeah. that's a kind of life changer. People who have chronic illnesses or people who end up having to take care of someone in their life who's sick. Like I think I think this happens to a lot of people at various times where they lose this ability yeah. to to do the thing that they need to sort of thrive and even survive, you know. And so the question is like, yeah. what, what are the solutions? And I love, love, love what you said that you have this thing of you just need to change your goal. Mm-hmm. You just need to change your goal. Yeah. And I think that, I think for me, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, ma- no, no, I was gonna say changing goals and making lists. I found that just like, even if I was playing with baby on his little play mat thing, if I just was like jotting things down on a post-it note, it made me feel better. Like just listing out ideas or things. It's like, hey, one day I'll eventually get to this. It might not be this afternoon when I really want to sit down and make some art time. It might not be this month, but hey, I'm making a pile of things and my brain is still like creatively churning out ideas. 
Yes. I think it's important to feel like you have a creative brain. I find like before I go to sleep, I lay in bed listening to the baby and thinking down the list of like creative ideas and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like, it makes me feel sort of alive in a way, you know? Yeah. And I think also that this sort of the moving goalpost issue, I think is one that we all have in various levels, which is to say, you know, you see what somebody else is doing on the internet and you're like, I should be doing that. And because you're not there, you feel disappointed in yourself. And so I don't think that's any different than you see what you were doing six months ago or two years ago and think, why am I not like that? I'm going backwards in my life instead of forwards. And it's like, I think all of that stuff, you just have to get rid of and say, you know, what is it? What is it today that you can get done? Of course, I have learned the most important rule of motherhood, which is anything that really needs to get done has to get done at the beginning of the day or forget about it. So true. So true. (laughs) Whatever that one thing is, do it at the beginning of the day. Yeah. Or else it ain't happening. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about um, your creative business. And obviously you do Patreon, but what other aspects of your business are there? And um, how have those changed or evolved since um, having the baby? Yeah, I think the main, well, again, Patreon's the main one. And that was kind of a, I started that knowing going into baby that this was something that needed to happen. Um. And then alongside that, primarily, um, I create content for Art Snacks. So I make a, I produce a monthly video for them. So that's kind of like my big sort of monthly obligations is Patreon and then my Art Snacks content. Um, and everything else is really just icing on the cake if I manage to squeeze something else out, like uh, working on Etsy shop merch or slowly filming on a new online class or anything like that. I was going to say, you have a, a Etsy shop. I, when I was wondering, are you still like pumping out? Because you sell a lot of like stickers and postcards and little zines and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that all kind of came to a screeching halt when the baby was born because um, it is very time consuming. And actually, I really didn't realize until the baby was here just how much time it takes to run an Etsy shop. It is a lot of work, both in just like creating listings, developing new products, and then the packaging and shipping. I mean, that would take me sometimes a full day to get like hundreds of orders out. It's insanely time consuming. So, and for me too, it's all about like, I really want to have a certain level in my shop. I care a lot about the packaging. I always paint, um, paint the packaging myself. I always hand write the envelopes. It's kind of insane. Um, and I still want to maintain that level of standard. So I've actually had to put a hold on really any physical inventory until I have kind of more time where I can figure out a way to do it. Doesn't yeah. it make you wonder about, I mean, the fin- the finances of how time-consuming Etsy is, and I don't think people realize how time-consuming it is to, like, ship and package and take orders and do the listings, then how cheap everything on Etsy is. It blows my mind. I know. it's. I mean, it's it's brutal. Yeah, I don't think people realize how much work really goes into the back end of it it's a lot it is it's insane I was even just listing like online classes because I have my um and in-person classes because I have my teaching schedule now for the year and I was like wow this is taking forever (laughs) and it's and that's just such a small thing compared to really listing like 60 items in your Etsy shop Oh, it's, it's, it's brutal. I try to usually like group things all together at once. So like I'll do one big, Hey, I'm here's five new products. These things are on sale. Bam, go to town. Um, cause typically when I do create something, it sells out pretty quick. So that's kind of what's inspired me to just do like big batches of things. So I think if I, and I've been working on new merch, I have so many new sticker sets and like things just piling up in my garage, my new studio garage. Um, hopefully I do hope to get things kind of reorganized and do like one mega launch and then just one big round of orders and then kind of shut down physical inventory again. I feel like that's the way I have to run it moving forward, I think. Now, I think you moved right before you had the baby, yes? Yep. It was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So so tell us a little bit about how soon, how were you actually house hunting while you were pregnant or did you find the place before? We were house hunting while I was pregnant, and that was because we were in a very tiny one-bedroom apartment, uh, which if you watch my vlogs on YouTube, everyone has seen. Um, Very, very tiny apartment, Um, and we just were coming to the realization as we started to bring the baby gear in, like I think when we brought the crib in, and it was like a little travel pop-up crib, and we couldn't even pop it up in in the space that we needed to, and we were like, 
oh my, this is a problem. I think we need to move. Um, and then, yeah, in April we started, or it was like a month before, um, like March, we start house hunting and it's just brutal, obviously here in Los Angeles, trying to find something we had offered on two different places. We were all over the place. We finally found something, ran in, grabbed it, and then moved in April. And then I was, I gave birth in August. Yeah, it's, I, we moved right before uh, I gave birth and it is a crazy thing to be in a new space at the same yeah. time that you have this new person. So you're actually adjusting to two different kinds of new lives. Well, and you were renovating a house. Yeah. So we renovated this house for like a year and then moved into it. And then, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like we actually were only unpacked for about a week before the baby came. So it was. Oh my God. It was That's a quick next turnover. level. That's crazy. <laughs> it was a very quick turnover. But when you're talking about like your new studio garage, I was like, oh yeah, I have this beautiful new studio on my third floor. And I feel like I'm not in it as much as I had planned to be. I know I've seen photos of it and I'm so jealous. It looks gorgeous. Well, how's your, talk to us about your studio and how you've been setting it up. Oh, geez. It's evolved to a million different things. And uh, my, my patrons know about this. So this is the kind of stuff I'll share is like, Hey, I'm moving my space again. Watch me reorganize everything. Oh, I'm lugging my furniture to this floor of my house. Nope. Moving it to this one. Um, I started originally where I had my garage was like my Etsy shop. Cause I just have so much like physical stuff for Etsy. It takes up a lot of space. So I was like, okay, garage will be like my shipping center. And then upstairs on my third floor in our master bedroom, I'll set up like a desk with a workspace. And it was mainly because the lighting is really good in there. Well, flash forward as I'm starting to work in there, I'm creeping into LA summer in the Valley and which is pure torture with Southern facing windows. And my paint was literally like drying and my stuff was like melting <laughs> where my art supplies were. And I was like, all right, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Um, so then I started moving stuff to my second floor. I had like a setup on my dining room table for a long time. Um, then I went back upstairs and got an air conditioning unit then once baby arrived, you know, everything was on a total halt and I just had a sketchbook I was dragging around with me. Then, I mean, it's gone through so many evolutions, Jesus. And then let's see. Oh, then it was, we started putting the baby down and then he'd be in our bedroom with all my art supplies. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. The baby's in the room that I'm supposed to be working in. So then I just finally made the executive decision of, all right, that's it. It's all going to the garage. It's the only way this is going to work. I can't be spread out all over the house. This is too chaotic. Um, and it was a good decision. It's still a little messy, but I'm getting it together, slow and steady. It's nice, though. I always think a garage space is nice because you don't worry about like, oh, I'm making a mess of the floor. Oh, I need ventilation. And it's like you've got it all. T totally. Yeah. And I've like taken over a whole side of the garage, which is really great. Um, the other big thing, too, is that when I do have the nanny here, it's really great for me to kind of like go to work. And I'm doing air quotes as I say this, uh, where I basically hand the baby over. I am still breastfeeding, so I have to come up and feed him, you know, every two hours. But um, I'm able to at least hand him over and be like, OK, I'll see you in, in an hour and a half or 45 minutes and then go to work in the garage. It feels separated and not part of my house, which has actually been really nice. That's super nice because I have the problem of like I can hear the baby crying. Oh, that's the worst. Yes. It's the worst. It's so distracting. It is. It's well, it's so also like it's guilt inducing too because like if I – if Steve has the baby and I know he's like struggling because I can hear the baby crying for like a long time, I'm like, ugh, I should yep. go. I should go help. I should go help. I should go help. Yep. I know. It's really hard. And you're like, oh, do I let it just tough it out and just let dad do dad mode or do I got to step in? And oh, yeah. It's the worst. It's complicated. Although I have to say this this whole thing has given me much sympathy for my mother who's been very silent through this, who uh, took care but of me and my it. there you go, who took care of me and my brother with a very uh, my father was gone a lot when we were kids and when I was a baby just gone for days at a time and she often tells stories about she we lived in New Jersey very briefly she knew new, no one in the state of new jersey it was the oh dead of gosh. winter and my father was out on the campaign trail with a campaign he was working on and she was alone with me and what fun that was mom you were very entertaining <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what it is it's when i listen to you guys talk it's not just about our it's it, from an old lady standpoint it's more about when you reach certain transitions in your life, 
and you feel you're losing control of your life. And the only way to be sane is to find other ways to feel that you are in control of your life. So whether it's uh, you were talking about the person whose mother has moved into assisted living or, you, you know, if you lose a job or or if you have a chronic illness, you find you have to find some way to feel that you still have some control over your life. It'll be different. But if you really put your mind to it, you will find a way to make yourself feel that during the day, something is under your control and that's what you live for. And I think this conversation is very specific to having a baby and having art, but honestly, it happens all the time again and again throughout a long life. Mm, I think that's well true. Said. I think that's very yeah. true. And I think the constant adjustments. So, I mean, I also have a bigger question, which is right now, since I know I'm at the beginning of this thing, I feel like everything is hampered by time, right? I'm changing mm -hmm. what I'm doing because of time. I just don't have the time to do these bigger projects. I don't have time to let things dry. I don't have time, blah, 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 et cetera, right? So the question is, though, are there ways that the baby is going to change my work, your work, you know, uh, that aren't necessarily based on time, but are actually like changes within us as people. Like you said, you're a different person now, you know, that you're a mom yeah. and that you've been through this whole thing. I mean, I don't know. Are you, are you still interested in the cob in the same way? Has that changed at all? Do you feel yourself interested in drawing different kinds of things in any way? No, the subject matter is still the same. Like I'm sketching fetuses maybe and weird organs that I wasn't sketching before, but no, the, the general theme is still <laughs> the same. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because that means you're still you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, people kept saying to me, like, you know, wait until you see how the baby changes the kind of stuff you make. And I kept wondering, like, am I suddenly going to be a person who is, you know, painting puppy dogs and kitty unicorns. cats? And, yes, and unicorns. Yeah. Although I have always kind of liked a unicorn, Mom, I have to tell you. Has your work changed? Do you think you're interested in different things? I don't know. I mean, I know that I am interested in more quick things. I'm less mm -hmm. interested in labor intensive things. And because this, one of the other things is like art is, an, art is a physical activity. Besides, besides the fact that you sit on your butt for a lot of it. <laughs> Yes. It, it can be, in fact, a very physical activity, even if that's the small muscles in your hands. I mean, you know this, having doodled for, you know, hours that your hand sometimes feels like it's going to drop, right? Yep. Or you yep. wake up and your forearm is sore or, you know, if you're doing larger work or sewing. I mean, the number of times my back and sitting at my sewing machine for hours has been a bad combination or doing large gestural painting and you wake up tired like you've, you know, been to the gym. But the thing is, yeah. taking care of a baby is deeply physical. I mean, just I have no upper body strength, but I am developing <laughs> it quickly. Yeah, because oh, yeah. you know, lugging a baby around is a lot. It'll do it to you, and my baby happens to be huge, so that yeah. is also super fun. Um, so it's like you know, he's really genuinely heavy, and that has been an issue. So like, I find that I'm physically tired. So when I want to do some kind of art, it's like I don't want to do something, even though doodling on the couch would be an easier kind of thing to do because I could do it while, you know, doing something else yeah. or while watching him. It's like I don't want to do that kind of fussy stuff because it just feels physically draining in a weird way. I want to do something that feels like fun and relaxing. Yeah. I totally relate to this. It's like the daytime naps, the little short, like 25 minute naps I get. It's like, oh, I could, I could be working on a zine or, or sketching something, but you just so desperately just want to lay on the couch and like just recharge to gear up for the next wake window of I got to entertain. I got to walk him. I got to do all these things. It's very physically demanding. It's just a balance. I think you just have to weigh your decisions. It's, it's hard. It is. It's all hard. But I mean, I'm excited to sort of see, I'm hoping that Henry will get to the age where he will want to be in the studio, want to make art, that I can entertain him by giving him some stuff to play with, that we can do it together. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that, oh, yeah. that will be a fun sort of evolution. Of course, I will have to say that there are mommy art supplies and Henry art supplies and that they're separate. <laughs> I have the Faber-Castell stuff. You have the Crayola stuff. Yep. And they're both the same. So it's fine. 
Yeah, exactly. Yours actually looks really nice. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, so I think it'll be good. So um, before we sort of wrap up here, I wonder if you have any um, sort of advice you wish that somebody had given to your pregnant self. Oh, boy. Um, other than pregnancy does end, even if it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I did read somewhere that you did not pregnant. enjoy pregnancy. Yes. I yeah, I hated it. I was just like, who are these women that do yoga on mountains while pregnant? Like, get out of here. Um, what would I tell myself? I think, I feel like just be realistic. I don't know. I feel like this is pertaining more to just telling myself as an artist with a new baby. Be realistic and don't be, don't get frustrated, I think is the big thing, is that you'll figure out a way to make things work. It might not be in those first couple of months and accept that maybe, you know, up until the fourth month or baby is sitting on his own a little bit more, um, you know, it's going to be about baby and don't get frustrated. You'll figure it out and you'll be able to get back into what you were doing before just in a different way. Yeah. yeah. That's good advice. I would tell myself, like, reset your expectations 100 percent. Totally. Whatever whatever yeah. it is you think that you're going to be able to do after the baby's born, like, divide it by four. Yep. Yeah, totally. Yep. And that's sort of where you are. And also, like, I had planned this whole thing, like, oh, I'm going to be on maternity leave for, like, three weeks, and then I'll be back to work, you know, half time for three weeks and then absolutely full time at six weeks. Yeah. Mm. How'd that go? That did not. <laughs> that, that go? did not. That did not go well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you I mean, know, just the recovery, like the recovery alone. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you had a C section. I had a C section, so I was recovering from that. And it's like there's ten weeks right there. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's I did brutal. not have a C section, but I did have forty hours of labor. So. Well, I hey, we're close. I was thirty six. There you go. We're Super close. fun. Super yeah. fun. It's crazy that you got a C-section after 36 hours. Oh, and I pushed for three. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh it sucked. God. Oh, it sucked. So I was. Re I felt like I was recovering from two births from the pushing for three hours. Well, you oh, yeah. were recovering from two births practically. Yeah. Oh, no, it sucked. And then the C-section recovery, you just, you know, you read about it, but you're not really fully prepared till you're you're living it it's pretty it's pretty rough well all of it I mean I think like this is part of what I uh wrote in my diary for the Washington Post was really just about there are so many things about like the indignities of early motherhood just the yeah. the like the fact that your body is not your own anymore from doctors to yeah. your child on you know through or just to I mean and even coming out of pregnancy like strangers who touch you and stuff like that yeah. like your body just stops being your own which is which is sort of the beginning of the the dehumanization so to speak of being a yeah. mother you know and it's also like yeah. when you're pregnant everybody says to you how are you how are you how are you oh you look great blah 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 and then mm -hmm. after you give birth it's like anybody nobody gives a shit about you anymore all it is is about it's the so baby true. yeah 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 and it's even then you you know you have all these other physical things you think like oh i'm gonna give birth and i'm gonna get my body back and it's really not true at all because it's like you're dealing with the recovery you're dealing with breastfeeding you're dealing with the physical demands of taking care of an infant it's it's crazy people don't really and by the way I have to give you such props and I think I even sent you a message regarding your article that was so raw and real and every expecting mom or new mom should read that even just to feel like when I read that I was like yes I'm not alone which is just so crazy because it's like so many moms go through this and so many women go through this, but it's just not something that's openly talked about. And it was so comforting to read that and be like, wow, she's going through the same things that I did or it's a similar story. She's feeling the same way I did. And it was just really nice to read. So thank you for that, by the way. Well, thank thank you. you. I was going to say, I think it's partially because something we already talked about. There's a lot of deep shame in not having those moments when like I held my baby, I looked into his eyes and I knew we were mm -hmm. deeply connected for, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I think there, I believe wholeheartedly there are people who feel that way and that does happen for them. And I am very happy for them. But yeah. I think it is also true for an enormous number of people that it is more difficult and complicated than that. And I also believe that loving your child and wanting your child does not mean that you cannot also be deeply unhappy and, you yeah. know, wishing that things were different somehow. Yeah, especially when you first 
give birth, there's so much of this process of getting to know this little human that just came out of you. It really is. Like, I feel like those first few weeks, you're just like, wow, what does this mean? What's this cry sound like? And oh, why is he doing this? And there's that getting to know you period that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, and it was interesting. I had a lot of, I had a, I had a couple family members really telling me like, oh, just you wait when he comes out, you're just going to immediately fall in love. It's going to, you're just going to just, you know, ooze and all this stuff. And, you know, I look back to my moment and I was, you know, in an operating room high as balls on drugs going, wow, I'm tired. What's going, what's going <laughs> on? You know, it was just such a totally different experience. And it wasn't until like maybe three weeks in that I'm like, okay, well, I really do love this little person. Like I'm getting, I know who he is now. I'm, you know, he's, you know, you have that whole, it, it clicks at that point yeah. a little bit later. Well, it's interesting because I think men have been given a pass for a long, longer because I remember talking to a woman who said to me, oh yeah, it took my husband like three or four months to, you know, fall in love with her. He just sort of felt like mm -hmm. he, she was like, you know, an annoying, you know, sack of potatoes before that and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, I've heard other people say that about like, oh, it's harder for men to bond or it's harder for men to whatever. And while some of it may be true, I think that, mm -hmm. you know, why should they get the pass on that? They haven't gone through the physical trauma. That doesn't mean that totally. they should be, you know what I mean? It, that their feelings should be any sort of different on it. So yeah, and we're, we have to wrangle. No, I totally agree. We have to wrangle way more feelings too of like the mom guilt and the physical things of like, okay, how am I feeding this baby? Am I fulfilling his needs? You know, as a mom, those things that you are expected to do, we wrangle with so much more emotionally than the dads do. Absolutely. Well, it was interesting because Steve said to me, he was like, you know what I find interesting? He said, whenever I have the baby, people are always like, want to come over and they're so complimentary to me and blah, blah, blah. And then when you have yeah. the baby, they don't do any of that. And I was like, yes, yeah. isn't that amazing? It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. My husband takes uh, Rome and they go grocery shopping on the weekends and he goes and gets like our basic things for the week. And he, every time he goes, he's like, I get so many people that come up to me and say, wow, you're a super dad. You're grocery shopping with the baby. Wow. And I'm like, okay, what am I chopped liver when I go to the store to get yes. things? Like, it's crazy. It is. And it's interesting because we do just have these perceptions. But I will say, so the last few times I've taken the baby out for a walk, we have a um, town track, which is right by a playground. And so, oh, awesome. which is very nice. So like I was taking out, oh. last few times I've gone to the track to walk around, I have noticed in the playground that it is all dads with kids. Mm. I have not seen a single mother. And I think mm. it's interesting because it says to me that like, I, I think the tide is shifting in terms of, I know a lot of stay at home dads now. And I think there are yeah. more and more of them. And I think I'm hoping that as that becomes more common, it becomes less of a, you know, you are an amazing savior, you know, for taking care of your own child yeah. kind of thing. I will say when I got my haircut, the, uh, you know, the first time after giving birth, the first time I left the house without the baby, mm -hmm. um, yeah. my hairdresser said to me, she's like, uh, at the end of the appointment, she said, well, she said, let Steve know that this is the, he's the first man who has not called or texted the, after being left alone with the baby during the first haircut. Wow. And I was like, what year is it? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. Oh, geez. I, I mean, I hope the tides are shifting. I hope so. We'll see. We'll see. Well, mom, yeah. I was going to say, do you feel that they've shifted since you had? Babies? I do feel they've shifted. Um, but I was going to say, first, I think you should post a link in the when you run this uh, podcast post to your article about the first month. Because yeah. I that's really, it's, it is a very good article, even if I'm prejudiced, I do think so. <laughs> Secondly, I think, again, this is an art podcast, and I think one of the things that's really useful is that you've been talking about how it has affected your ability to do your art and to run your art businesses. And I think that people find ways in their lives to uh adjust that's what you have to do all of life is a process of adjusting to changing circumstances you know your kids don't stay the same your marriage doesn't stay the same you physically don't stay the same your economic situation may not stay the same your where you live i mean the whole thing so art is not any different than any other thing you have to 
You have to find a way to make it work in the life that you have, in the circumstances that you have. And I think the two of you are talking about very successful adaptations. Slowly, you'll learn how to figure it out. And then just when you figured it out, something is going to change in your lives. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. I think that, what is it, that old quote, the only thing in life that's certain is change or something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. But I would say that the two of you, you know, you're adapters. So I don't have any doubt in my mind that you'll find a way to continue doing your art and running your businesses. Uh, It's just, it's, there's pain and tiredness. There's hard work involved in figuring it out. And sometimes you'll go down one road and it's a dead end. You'll turn around and go down a different road. I think both of you are going to be fine. Oh, well, I hope that's true, Mom. I hope that's very true. It's nice to hear. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And I think, you know, part of the thing uh, which is in this gig economy and being a freelance artist and all that kind of stuff, so much of it is about hustle. And I think the baby creates a situation where the hustle is harder. And so you do have Mm -hmm. to do those things, like you said, where you work smarter, not harder. Like how can you monetize the things that you are already doing? Exactly. Exactly. Because sharing free content takes up an enormous amount of time. It's actually one of the things that Steve and I have been talking about. I write this blog five days a week and it is exhausting sometimes. And of course, it's totally free content. And, you know, the question is, how do you figure that out? You know, is it is it worth keeping it going? You know what I mean? Or is it one of those things that it just needs to go by the wayside because it takes up too much time? Yeah. It's hard. You have to just reprioritize. I know. Constantly your whole life, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap it up and just say, uh, where can people find you online, Roxanne, if they want to uh, connect? Yeah. On Instagram, I'm at bybun. My website is bybun.com. And all my links are there, either on Instagram or my website. That's the easiest place. And if people want to find you on Patreon, how do they do that? You can just search buy bun. That's it. Easy enough. Mom, Easy. if people wanted to find you on the internet, they couldn't. But do you have anything that <laughs> you would like to say? I'm from the, from a particular mindset of I don't like to be found <laughs> by anyone. If I want to be found by you, I'll personally contact you. There so. we go. So that explains all the text messages I get then. I'm a lurker. Okay. <laughs> Um, and as always, you can find me at ballsdesigns.typepad.com and do leave us your comments or questions at ballsdesigns.com backslash arting. I redid the podcast uh, page so it's easier to uh, see all the different episodes. And we would love to hear from you. And if you'd like to help the show, we always appreciate it if you can either tell a friend, you know, post about it on your Instagram stories or something like that, or leave a review on iTunes because that helps other people find the show. So thank you so much for listening and subscribing and we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>